Hello everyone and welcome to episode 6 of the first series of the Dorset Growther podcast. In this episode, we are talking to Aggie Matuma, who is the Managing Director and Founder of Mahogany Inclusion Partners. Aggie partners with organisations as they progress on their journeys towards creating diverse and inclusive workplace cultures. In this episode, we talk about how your business can become more inclusive and what that means and why it is beneficial to your business. Aggie gives really practical tips and leaves you with some resources to go check out. This episode was recorded as part of our Beyond 2020 audio conference. Due to the great success, we wanted to launch this podcast series publicly and give you all the opportunity to listen, learn and develop your own ideas. If you're looking for more support for your business, head to our website, dorsetgrowthhub.co.uk, register to get access to more free resources, advice, grants and events. And we would really appreciate your support for this podcast. So if you enjoy the episodes, please do leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and don't forget to subscribe. So let's get started and we'll get into the episode. So hello, Aggie, and thank you for being part of Beyond 2020. We're thrilled to have you here. Thank you for having me. It's great. So if we could start with you telling us a bit about yourself um, and how you became to become the founder of Mahogany Inclusion Partners and what you do. No problem at all. So my history um, has been in the people space. Uh, So managing people teams, HR teams, learning development, recruitment uh, for over 20 years now. And I've worked for recognizable brands such as the Arcadia Group, so Topshop, Topman, Burton's Menswear, Mothercare, Dreams Beds, Tesco Stores Limited, BHS and McDonald's. Wow. Um, McDonald's restaurants, so loads of organizations you'll, uh, you'll probably recognize. And in the last sort of five years or so, I've worked for a smaller business to business organization as the group people director. So in my journey of um, leading people teams, I've always been involved in inclusion, whether it's how we recruit inclusively, whether it's succession planning, whether it's targeted support for females um, in development, as an example. And what I've always sort of seen is that tension that happens for people teams around the inclusion agenda. You know, how do we get leadership teams involved, engaged in inclusion? How do we make those links between inclusion and the business priorities? And how do we also link inclusion to the bottom line? So that's sort of where uh, Mahogany Inclusion Partners came from, really trying to support organisations as they go on that journey and leadership teams especially, because often when we talk about inclusion, often the middle-aged white male can feel like they're excluded from that conversation. Mm -hmm. And um, the way that some people do hold the conversation, they do exclude certain groups. My view of inclusion is about how do we get the best out of everybody in an organisation, regardless of where they come from, what they look like, or anything like that. Great. And so you started your business recently, did you? Yes, I did indeed. So the business itself is about three and a half months old. Wow, an achievement during this time. (laughs) Indeed, indeed. Um, And it's interesting because I I had started sort of working on it um, October last year or so. But as part of that, I am also a a coach as well. So I I deliver inclusion coaching as part of my executive coaching as well. So I think it's probably fair to say the work itself started many years ago, but the official business itself started about three and a half months ago. Great. And I just wondered if you could tell everyone that's listening a little bit more on how you define culture, how you, do, how you see 
inclusion and diversity in business? Sure. I'll explain it by explaining something else first, then I'll move on to culture, inclusion and diversity. So with any business um, or any people intervention, whether it's learning and development, whether it's customer service, etc., I um, abide by a framework which looks at the what you do. So whether it's, you know, serving the customer, whether it's your marketing strategy, whether it's your CSR strategy. So that's almost like the what and the the parameters and the processes you put in place. And then there's the how. The how you do it is, you know, how you shop for your customers. You know, are you friendly? Are you welcoming? How you shop for your team as a leader? Are you great at um, getting them to do what you want them to do? Are you great at developing them? And, you know, culture, inclusion, and the diversity conversation sits firmly in the how piece. And I think, you know, when I talk about inclusion, as I uh, discussed earlier, it's about every single person showing up at work and being able to be themselves. And no, we don't mean showing up in your pajamas or anything like that. (laughs) What we mean is that in a meeting, you feel like you have a voice. If an idea pops in your mind, you're able to voice that opinion, you're able to voice that idea, and it is actually listened to. If it's not a great idea, it's say, you know, thank you for that idea. It's not that great right now, or we'll look at it later. But if it isn't a great idea, you're obviously able to be heard And I think a lot of us sort of heard about the fact that innovation is very important for organizations right now. The world is changing so fast Mm. that when you have a table, and I call it all business, where all ideas are heard, people are able to bring themselves to work. It's it's great for business. And there there are so many studies, so many credible studies that show that if a culture is inclusive, you have much better results. And I'm sure all businesses want better results. Yeah, that was going to be my next question. You know, why should businesses be investing and improving their culture and being more inclusive? So, you know, you've demonstrated there there's a strong business case and, of course, a moral case. So why do you think that matters? Why should businesses communicate that? Yeah, I think it matters because, you know, if we start with the sort of the hard, potentially what some might say, hard, hard cold facts, um, as we just spoke about it, inclusion is good for business. Mm. Um, When you have an inclusive culture, it's not just about making it a nice environment for the females or for the people of colour or for the people who might identify as LGBT. When you have an inclusive culture, it's good for absolutely everyone. So even the older middle-aged white male who's often left out of that conversation, when the culture is inclusive, everybody shows up at work and delivers to that bottom line. So that's the hard, cold part. And then there's the part about us as human beings, really. And I think the the pandemic has um, awakened uh, that humanity line of sight in a lot of us. And as human beings, we all want to feel like we belong, don't we? We all want to feel like we matter. We all want to feel like we have a voice. And so from that moral moral imperative as well around inclusion is very important in organisations. So how do you help businesses then with their inclusion strategies? Where does it start? You know, does it start a recruitment process or at board level, somewhere in between? So again, it it depends on the organisation. There there definitely isn't a one size fits all. Mm. Um, It depends on the culture of the organisation as it is right now, where it wants to go, the industry, the location. There are so many variables that mean that there isn't one stock answer. But what I would say is that 
the best place to start the conversation and the best place to start, or I prefer to start the conversation, should I say, is at that leadership level. It's working with the leadership teams, either plural, as in a leadership team, or that leader themselves, the CEO or the the head of the organization, to talk about what inclusion means to them. From a personal point of view, because I think change always starts with you as a person, that reflection that understanding of actually the world is not maybe as we thought it was, which I think a lot of people now understand with the rise of uh, BLM. So people understand the world is not maybe as fair as we thought it was, but then also understanding what part you play in that. And Mm. I don't mean in a finger pointy way, because that's not how I work at all. I come from the premise that, you know, most of us are good people. Most of us have great values, But often, um, and what we see in the world is that those great values in organizations, maybe they talk about an equal equal opportunities employer or they talk about having good values. They don't necessarily translate to the outcome for every single employee. Mm. And what I try to do is just remind organizations and people about their values and then support them to say, right, this is you. This is what you said you want to do. So how do I support you to make sure that becomes an outcome for all all your employees and also customers too? Yeah, definitely. That's that's such a great point you make about, you know, working with the leadership and and I think we've all had a turnaround in in our values and, you know, mixing working at home and being at home. It's that merge between the two different things, you know. There's no separation and I think a lot of people have realized what's what's been important to them in this time and especially as you touched on Black Lives Matter movement and I think the impact of COVID on the BAME community and how that's seen as a turning point for a lot of businesses and they're thinking, well, we could be doing more, we should be doing more. And I think a lot of customers and potential clients have, you know, called them out openly. So how can businesses take steps to make the positive changes and do this genuinely and not just because everyone else is? Mm, Absolutely. And I think, you know, People often say, is it okay that people are doing doing this just because everybody else is? And as far as I'm concerned, you know, as the uh, outcome justifies how you get there, doesn't it? So I think for me, even if an organization does feel compelled to do something because everybody else is, I think the important thing is that they are doing something. So I guess I'd I'd start with that. Um, And I think the, the way to do that is to ensure that the processes you put in place, so how you recruit, um, if we start there, you don't just go to the same agency all the time that gives you the same sort of candidate. You go to a wider pool of agencies and then you speak to them and say, look, we want a diverse slate of, of candidates. Mm-hmm. And we want a diverse state of, a slate of candidates because we know that inclusion is important to us. So it's having, having that conversation with them and almost challenging them around that. The important thing then, once you have got uh, those candidates coming in, is having that inclusive workforce once they get there so you know it's no good having various types of people but they feel like they have to fit a certain mold um it's about having that culture where people can again like we said be themselves and what that looks like practically which a lot of people say what does that mean what does that actually look like practically And what that looks like is, as an example, if you're in a meeting and you're a leader, um, we all know that if you're discussing things, there are certain people who are very automatically 
be open and they'll talk about it till the cows come home and they might perhaps sometimes be overbearing in a meeting. However, there may be some very quiet people who you don't really get to hear from. Now, those people that you're not hearing from, they could be the people who reflect a bit more and they think a bit more deeper about certain things. And not getting their ideas means that you're missing out on some potential um, helpful information. Mm. So as an inclusive leader, what that could look like is a, I'm the leader of that meeting, so I'm going to give my opinion last to ensure that everyone doesn't feel they have to follow my opinion. And equally, I'm going to watch the room and then make sure that I hear from everyone. So if I haven't heard from you as an example, Mary, mm. I'd say, you know, Andy, great. Thank you. That was really, really helpful feedback. Thank you very much. Mary, what do you think? I'd love to hear your thoughts as well. I could see you thinking, what are you thinking about this? And then as the leader in that meeting, I would then give my opinion last to ensure that everybody's had a chance to to bring their ideas out. So that's an example example of what um, inclusion could could look like in a meeting setting but there are many many more things obviously that we could talk about all day yeah I bet. yeah it's a good I like that point of the leader talking less because there's often been you know personal experience so I think I don't quite agree with that but I guess I'm gonna go along with it you know yes and that does happen yeah that happens a lot and and again to your point um Mary and back to the point that I've made I keep make, I will keep making is that it's not just about the fact that someone's female, the fact that someone happens to be a person of colour. Inclusive cultures are good for everybody. So there will be white men who maybe won't say what they think because the boss has spoken first or because the person who always speaks has spoken first. Mm. Yeah, I was going to touch on, in an ideal world, what does an inclusive and diverse business look like? But I think you just covered that, you know. It's speaking for everyone and allowing everyone to have that voice. And in another episode with another guest, Jen, she spoke about it's, it's about coming to work and not having to wear a mask, even though ironically at the moment everyone is having to wear masks. So I quite <laughs> like that. Um, On the way to work. <laughs> yeah. Very true. Um, how do you think that businesses kind of com- communicate it effectively externally? Because I think some businesses are really good at communicating their values, beliefs, attitudes, and some businesses maybe have work to do on that. How, how can they do it better? I think I would say that, um, first of all, be clear internally. So I think I will say, and people say, don't they? Charity starts at home. And I did say earlier that the inclusion piece and you as a leader starts with you, doesn't it? Yeah. So I'd say for organisations, ensure that your values aren't just values that you've written down somewhere that nobody has seen since you wrote them down. Make sure they're values that are actually lived and breathed in the organisation And I say that because, A, it should be true for you uh, before you start sending it out there or or communicating uh, the values externally. But equally, customers, clients, communities, even competitors should be able to see and feel the values in how your organization acts, presents itself uh, or is seen externally. So I think that that's the, the first point. And then obviously you can then talk about it, you can communicate it on your website, you can communicate it in your customer collateral or emails or whatever it is, or however you speak to your, your customers. And if you're saying that your CSR is important to you, the environment's important to you, make sure that you people see that. So maybe you do litter picks or maybe you support local charities or, you know, maybe you do things like that as well. So um, make sure it starts at home. So in your actual organizations, it's lived and breathed. And then make sure that you also live and breathe it yourself as an organization for external people to see and feel. Great. And so businesses that are making those positive changes and are communicating it, how do we continue that conversation? Because I feel that progress has been made this year in particular, maybe. And 
you know, how do we keep it as a priority and how do businesses see it as not just a HR issue? How do they build on that legacy? So I think I think keeping alive is um, things like this, to be honest with you, um, uh, Mary, we've, we've got to keep speaking about it. We've got to keep measuring as well. So I think we, we need to move past the speaking, you know, yes, yeah. let's keep talking, but let's, let's also then move to action. And I think um, measures, absolutely what, what gets measured gets done in organisations. We are commercial entities, aren't we? And we look at numbers and we chase those numbers and we, we move towards those numbers and then we grow again. So we've got to put uh, measures in place, whether that's the government that does that, which they probably may do at some point as they have the gender pay gap, because um, that helps that conversation. Yeah. Um, or if it's um, organisations themselves, which I would suggest actually is better that organisations themselves look at where they are and get support around it and say, what is a reasonable improvement for us year on year and then keep making those improvements so yeah so it's definitely not just an HR issue you know we've talked in our conversation about you know how the external world see things sees things we've talked about uh, suppliers as an example and yes it was recruitment based but it could be any supplier so if you take an organization I don't know I'm going to say Dorset Council I'm just picking um, picking an organization they will have suppliers who service them so their reach their influence is much bigger than just the workforce they have so if they can do some work around encouraging their own suppliers to have inclusive cultures maybe supporting them maybe saying you know we can help you in this area and also putting some measures in place for them as well I've seen I've supported some big organizations to do that around you're our supplier on an annual basis we'd like to have a conversation with you around what you're doing around inclusion how maybe we can help you because we have some support uh, structures around us as well so yes, yeah, so it's definitely past HR. It's it's the whole the whole piece, and and these things have an influence on your customer experience as well. Uh, so it's important for every executive to worry and be concerned about inclusion. Great, yeah, I think that's really important to for larger organisations to you know start having that impact and start questioning their suppliers and that you know they've got the buying power to do that and influence change. Mm-hmm. And so, I think the last question I have for you is you know, any top tips for smaller businesses or resources or where can they go? They want to learn more. They want to continue the conversation and take action. So the resources, I mean, this is just such a beautiful time in terms of, well, obviously the unfortunate death of, of George Floyd. That's horrible, but beautiful time in terms of there is so much out there for people to learn, you know, not just necessarily about Black Lives Matter, the movement, not the party, the movement, mm-hmm. but there's so much out there, but also just around inclusion as a whole, the conversation is out there. So I would start with Google. I always say Google's <laughs> my best friend, <laughs> yeah. best friend. And you will find podcasts, you'll find webinars, you'll find books, you'll find reading lists, all sorts of things out there to sort of educate yourself and give yourself a baseline. I would say get support and help if you can. And I'm not talking big budget massive strategies but even if it's just a couple of hours with someone who understands inclusion and they can sort of help you and point you in the right direction in terms of your own business I would suggest you do that as well and then I would suggest the CIPD Mm -hmm. as well as the Chartered Institute of Personnel and Development they have many many tools Um, I don't think they're all member resources I'm sure there's some resources that anyone can 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 review you've also got inclusive employers as well which is another really good um, organization that has free tools that you know uh, leaders can have a look at and sort of educate themselves and hopefully point them in the right direction as well great there's so much good stuff there and i really appreciated this conversation it's been great loads of stuff for businesses to think about 
And if anyone wanted to get in touch with you, we will put your details in the description or we'll put a link somewhere so they can find you, Aggie. So yeah, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you very much, Mary. And thank you everyone for listening. Thank you. Thank you for listening. I really hope you enjoyed this episode and took away some practical tips. If you want to learn more about culture, diversity and inclusion, you can listen now to two other episodes featuring Jen Swain and Ro Holston, or skip ahead to episode nine where you can hear from them all in a Q&A panel. So thanks again for listening. Head over to our website and leave us a message or register to let us know how we can support your business. And please do subscribe to the Dorset Growth Hub podcast to be the first to listen to the rest of the series.